Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. They screwed up our town, they're going to fix it. The railroad has completely failed to clean up. We heard from law enforcement, we heard from Border Patrol, and let me tell you, it is a crisis down there. Now they're buying our land and they're doing it to destroy us. And it's time we get a president that wises up and stops acting like a dimwit in front of the whole world. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I got news for you. He's not acting. <laughs> he's not acting. He's a, he's a genuine article. Uh, in fact, speaking of dimwits. Um, what happened? Yeah. Just 12% of Democrats say Biden should lead the party. Top leaders say he's too old. A new poll released just this week asked self-identified Democrats a simple question. Who should lead the Democrat Party? Just 12% said Joe, Cousin Eddie. Given seven possible answers, including no one or no answer, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries and Senator Bernie Sanders and Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, they were the top individuals. They all got 5%. That's how bad the Democrats are. I mean, they, they have no bench at all. When Hakeem Jeffries it, it is probably the, the most reasonable person that you hear about there. Now, I mean, the most reasonable person I would say would be Joe Manchin, although I don't trust him as far as I could throw him. But this, this is who the Democrats, this is who they pick as the top choice. Actually, the top choices were overwhelmingly no answer and other response, coming in at 37% and 21% respectfully. Pete Buttigieg, Chuckles the Clown Schumer, each came in at 3%. And of course, Joey came in at 5%. Uh, both Democrats and Republicans think Congress is doing a terrible job. Only 19% of adults have a positive view of Congress and their job performance including 20% of Democrats and 17% of Republicans, 79% disapprove the poll of 1,068 national, nationwide adults. Uh, quote, the public, regardless of party identification, has little optimism about politics in the United States these days. 63% are pessimistic, pessimistic about the state of politics. 15% are optimistic. Those are not good odds. 21% are neither optimistic or pessimistic. They just want everybody to go away. Uh, meanwhile, the new report says leaders of the Democrat Party think Biden is too old to run again in 24. Not many people would go on record, but writer Jonathan Martin made an interesting observation. Here's what he said. There was the senator who said few Democrats in the chamber want Biden to actually run again but that the party had to devise an alignment of interest with the president to get him off the narcotic of the office. There was the governor who mused about just how little campaigning Biden would be able to do. We didn't do any last time. And then there was the House member who, after saying that, of course, Democrats should renominate the president. Then he told me to turn off my phone. And then he said, demanded to know who else was out there and Harris was not an option. So these are the Democrats that are saying this. 
So other than Joe, the leading the leading uh, people, uh, a th- over a thousand Democrats, self-identified Democrats, point to Hakeem Jeffries, Bernie Sanders, and AOC, five percent each. Uh, they don't want to have anything to do with uh, word salad, Kamala, and Joey only gets the the, the president of the United States gets twelve percent, the dimwit. By the way, I don't know if you saw uh, uh, Kamala had another word salad she came out with today concerning the the balloon uh, that was shot down. It's just a typical, I'm I'm not going to play it, but just typical Kamala Harris word salad. You you listen to her and it's just different words that were tossed together. I mean, it was like you put a bunch of words in a hat and then you toss them out and then you read the words. Uh, It doesn't matter what order they're in. That's, That's pretty much how she shares her thoughts. Fox News is reporting the Department of Commerce this week appointed its first ever counselor for equity. What could go wrong with that? (laughs) A position that will work to institutionalize equity across all work streams and advise senior leadership on policy design and implementation strategies that help advance the equity agenda. You know, I guess if there's a theme about today, it doesn't matter uh, if you have any kind of qualifications, if you've got any kind of particular abilities, that doesn't matter. What matters is equity. And uh, we're, we're going to do whatever we can to get there. It was interesting. There is a story out today. Uh, I'll see if I can find it here. Because it really is symptomatic of the problem where uh, a number of school districts across the country are eliminating. Yeah, here it is out of the Wall Street Journal. Several school districts across the country are no longer allowing students to take honor classes in an effort to increase equity. So, in other words, um, first of all, this is why the United States is doomed for failure. And in the name of equity, let's all be stupid. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Listen, this we've always had, when it comes to academics, we've always had kids that excel and the kids that don't excel. And I'll be honest with you, I, I remember back in high school, the kids that really excelled didn't necessarily end up being highly successful in life. And some of the kids that you know were just mediocre students in high school ended up owning their own businesses and, and doing quite well and, a, and a, a, a great member of society. So listen, what you do in high school or, and even in college doesn't necessarily reflect what you're going to do in life. But in the name of equity, there are several school systems out there. Culver City High School in California recently axed honor classes because the courses were failing to enroll enough black and Latino students, according to the Wall Street Journal. Other school districts such as Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District in California and Patrick Henry High School in California made similar shifts to their honor classes to increase equity. So instead of trying to get the kids up to the honor classes, that's too much work. We're just going to eliminate the honor classes. Let's everybody, look, I mean, this is education socialism. Let's all be stupid. Listen, even socialist country, even communist China doesn't do that. This is not a social experiment, John Keene, a Santa Monica Malibu Unified School Board member said ahead of the district's new removal of the classes. What is it? This is what he said it was. 
this is a sound academic approach to education. <laughs> I mean, if you don't laugh, you'd cry. The school districts say students who don't take the courses when first given the option believe they can never enroll in an honors class, the Wall Street Journal reported. On average, black and Latino students enroll less in the accelerated classes. So we'll eliminate them. I mean, if you're going to follow this, I mean, shouldn't the Harlem Globetrotters be eliminated because they don't have equity? And, and, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not serious. But, but this is not serious. Before dropping honors classes from the school district, Culver City School Board said students who were not in honors classes felt less successful, motivated, and unable to break out of the molds that they were established when they were just 11. At Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District, honors English classes were eliminated because teachers felt they had a moral imperative to do so to ensure equity for minority students. Again, I mean, the bottom line is let's everybody be stupid. Let's make sure that nobody knows the English language. Nobody knows the rules of grammar. Let's just everybody be stupid. That's equity. And and eventually, everybody's going to be poor. That will be equity. Nobody will have anything to eat. Nobody will have a car to drive. We'll we'll all be poor as church mice. But hey, we'll, we'll have equity. The Madison School Board in Wisconsin made the decision to keep its honors classes, but allowed freshmen to earn honors credits in courses that were not accelerated, according to the Wisconsin State Journal. I mean, heaven forbid... We actually honor the kids. And listen, some kids are gifted. I, I know that. I mean, it's, it's in the genes or it's an act of God or they were brought up in the right way. And, and I realize that every, it, life is not equal. Life is not fair. If you haven't picked up on that yet, you'll soon find out. And if these students think, oh, this is great, this is fair, they're in for a rude awakening. So now the Department of Commerce is going to appoint its first ever counselor of equity. The department said her new job, it's a, uh, some woman who was in academia prior to this, uh, I, um, I, um, Inez Hernandez is her name. The department said her new job will work with the D- Department of Commerce Equity Council. The council provides cross-bureau coordination, policy development, and administrative support for initiatives that institutionalize equity diversity, inclusion. So w- what this means, folks, is um, now, now they're, they're really going out of their way to make it try, try to make this sound palatable, like this is a good thing that everybody ought to be rejoicing over this. We're going to have equity. We're going to have inclusion. We're going to have diversity. Um, what this means is, is not, uh, you know, we, we welcome everybody based on your qualifications, in other words, we've got a job opening. Here's what you need to have for uh, to, to qualify for the job. And everybody is welcome, whether you're a female, a male, black, white, Indian, whatever. You're, you're all welcome. And uh, we're going to be as uh, opening, uh, open, armed, armed as we possibly can to make sure everybody has a same. No, that's not what they're saying. They're saying it doesn't matter if you're qualified or not. If you have the intersectionality check marks, you'll get the job. That's what it's all about. And it is, uh, again, this is the quick path for failure for the United States of America. 
a interesting piece written by our friend Hans von Spakowski of the uh, Heritage Foundation. It uh, appeared today in the Daily Signal. In a move that's gotten little notice in the press, the Biden administration is proposing federal hiring rules that easily could be abused to deny employment to anyone who questions liberal, woke policies, criticizes the government, or belongs to a politically incorrect organization. Now, this, this really should get your attention, and it really is scary. Uh, but leave it up to the Biden administration to push something like this. Uh, Hans goes on to say, the vague, nebulous language of the proposed changes in existing government hiring regulations could be exploited and allow biased government managers to put up a virtual conservatives need not apply sign when it comes to the federal civil service, leaving rejected applicants with little recourse. Listen, this has been going on for years and years and years. Now they're, now they're actually putting their stamp of approval on it and they're starting to brag about it. That's when it really gets scary. The Office of Personnel Management, the Human Resources Department of the federal government, proposed amendments January the 31st in the Federal Register to the personal vetting processes for determining, determining suitability and fitness for government employment. The public now has until April the 3rd to file comments on the proposed suitability and fitness vetting amendments. As the proposal explains, the term suitability and fitness refers to a decision by an agency that an individual does or does not have the required level of character and conduct necessary to work in a federal agency. So it's, it, it, they're not even looking at qualifications, academic qualifications or experience. They're looking at character and content, uh, conduct necessary to work in a federal agency. Again, they're talking about intersectionality and how woke are you? How accepting are you of the woke ideology? This assessment has nothing to do with someone's qualification for a job and everything to do with a subjective assessment of a prospective employee. Under the current regulations, an applicant is disqualified from employment by the federal government for, quote, knowing and willful engagement in acts or activities designed to overthrow the U.S. government. Certainly, no one can disagree with that standard since no one would be a federal employee who has engaged in such behavior. Although one might question uh, certain individuals in the Biden administration and certainly certain individuals, uh, members of Congress. I mean, my gosh, you, you look at what Joe Biden is doing right now. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, what, the open borders he has the inflation that he is causing, the inept following, uh, uh, foreign policy. I mean, just the, the uh, uh, Chinese spy balloon fiasco. You've got to ask yourself, is, is this guy trying to overthrow the government? The Biden administration, however, is proposing to replace the straightforward, uh, though I just read that uh, no, you're, you're not going to be uh, hired if you're knowing and willful engagement in acts or activities designed to overthrow the U.S. government. They're going to replace that with, one, knowing engagement in acts and activities with the purpose of overthrowing the federal, state, local, or tribal government. That's, that is basically what it was before. Adding to that, uh, acts of force, violence, intimidation, or coercion with the purpose of denying others the free exercise of their rights under the U.S. Constitution or any state constitution. And that's not too bad. Then they go on to say, attempting to indoctrinate others or to incite them to action in furtherance of illegal acts and active membership 
or leadership in a group with knowledge of its unlawful aims or participation in such a group with specific intent to further its unlawful aims. Now, the, the question here, too, is, uh, okay, what exactly is unlawful? And again, I would point back to the whole January 6th fiasco. Uh, did, did, people, did some people in there break the law? Yeah. Uh, were there a lot of people that were just accused of breaking the law that didn't? Uh, yeah. The first standard I mentioned, um, Hans says, it's not controversial. The problem with the other three standards is they're so broad and so vague and so nuanced that they will give ideologues who dominate the civil service ranks the ability to reject almost anyone who is critical of government policies. Bingo. Managers also could reject anyone who questions the acts and behavior of government officials or whose voices, opinions, don't fit the accepted political orthodoxy of the times, such as viewing racial preferences or hiring or college remission as unacceptable immoral discrimination. Do you doubt that? Members of the progressive left have long claimed that words and free speech are a literal form of violence. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she claimed that criticism of her is, quote, not tone, it's violence. And in 2018, former Vice President Joe Biden linked the rhetoric of then-President Donald Trump to mass shootings and terror bombings. I mean, think about it. That, this is exactly what they're talking about here. That suddenly your speech is hate speech, it's terrorism. Or just look back to how the Biden administration wanted the DOJ to go after parents who were speaking up at school board meetings. I mean, it, now if, it, you know, the, the Biden administration's made it real clear that they want to codify Roe v. Wade. That's what the liberals want. If you speak up, against abortion? Is that going to be considered the act of a terrorist? Is that going to be hate speech? I, I mean, it is, it is not hard to connect the dots here. And no, I don't think I'm going too far. I don't think Hans von Spakovsky is going too far here. If you're a member or a leader of a pro-life group trying to change the law in a state such as California that legalizes abortion up through birth, is that active membership or leadership in a group with unlawful aims under the fourth proposed uh, office uh, standards here. At the same, uh, at the same time, uh, it is true if you express an opinion adverse to illegal immigration and illegal aliens in a sanctuary state or object in a state that has legalized racial discrimination in admissions to state colleges and universities, you could be considered to be attempting to deny such illegal aliens or beneficiaries of discriminatory policies their rights under state law. So you're, you're basically, they could be saying, that it would not be a stretch to say uh, your opinion is breaking the law. Uh, that's where we are, folks. And, and you know, it, it, it wasn't that many decades ago when political correct speech came in that we all sort of chuckled at it. And it's still ridiculous as it was then. But now you've got some zealots who have gotten a little bit of power. And again, we saw it back on January the 6th. Were all, were all those people, peaceful protesters, you know, for the most part, 99% of them were. 
but boy, they, the, the, the liberals wanted to make sure they made an example of them, and they have. And uh, unfortunately, that's probably just the beginning. We've got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Stay with us. News and Views for a Friday continues right after this. Get the information you need here to be informed and stay informed. Put your song in this heart of mine. Put your smile on my face every time. Cause I love a rainy night. Welcome back in. It is uh, going to be uh, rain dissipating tonight. It will be uh, clearing up. A uh, few clouds in the sky. A cool night of low of 34. Uh, tomorrow's high with lots of sunshine will be 54. Tomorrow night's low with uh, partly cloudy skies will be 32. Sunday, not bad. A high of 64 with uh, partly cloudy skies. Uh, next week looks pretty good. Uh, we're going to have a high by uh, Wednesday of 77. Next Thursday, we'll be back in the 80s. Uh, I know the screen says 77. My notes say 82. We'll go by my notes. I like that. 222 years ago, 1801, Thomas Jefferson was elected the third president of the United States, defeating Aaron Burr. So 222 years ago, he took office. So he was actually elected back in uh, the previous fall. Weather and uh, trivia brought to you by our friends at Ironwood Golf and Country Club. As the weather gets warmer and life gets busier, you deserve time to relax and have some fun. Ironwood Golf and Country Club invites you to become a member and make new traditions with your friends and family on the course, in the pool, and at the courts, or while enjoying a meal with beautiful views. Ironwood offers a variety of memberships. No initiation fee required. Contact membership director Jenna Doyle and become an Ironwood Golf and Country Club member today. Call 752-4653, extension 202. Jenna will take good care of you. So at the beginning of the program, I was talking about the fact that just 12% of Democrats say Biden should lead the party. And the leadership in the party thinks that he is too old to run again. Now, part of it is his cognitive disabilities, obviously. But the guy is a progressive. The guy's a socialist. He's inept. But, you know, what's interesting about this, these are his numbers while he has a mainstream media that I, I know that they're, they're starting to turn on him a little bit because I think they realize they probably cannot win again with this guy in there. And so they want to find somebody else. Who that person is, I don't know. But basically, he's at a mainstream media that have been puffing him up as much as possible, not talking down uh, Joe Biden in his first two years as president. While that's happening and his numbers are terrible, look over to Giorgia Maloney, Italy's first female prime minister. She took office 100 days ago today. She is, she's a populist president. I mean, she's very much uh, God and country. She, wants to, she doesn't want to have anything to do with woke ideology. She's very, very common sense. She has an approval rating, one of the highest approval ratings in the world of 53% among Italians, which makes her the sixth most popular leader, surpassing Biden's 41%, according to American uh, to Morning Consult. 
Although expectations for Maloney were low heading into the office, the Italian leader has successfully responded to voters' wishes, experts told the Daily Caller News Foundation. The first thing I will say is that the expectations were very low, said King College political uh, professor Cecilia Stotala, who spoke uh, with the Daily Caller. Um, there was much alarm, right? Before the election or right after the election, everyone's like, this is a neo-fascist. I mean, I don't know if you remember, we talked about her when she was first elected to office. Everyone thought this was the end of the world. This is a, this is a nut. I mean, they, were, they had her right there where Donald Trump was. And what were Donald Trump's numbers? When he was in office, acting as president after two years, people were loving it. His numbers were great. Her numbers are great. People want to be free. People don't want the Joe Bidens of the world lecturing them of how it has to be and telling them what they can't have fossil fuels, <laughs> telling them how to live every moment of their life. Yeah, this Maloney is, uh, she's hitting it out of the park. The Italians love her. So Joe uh, had his uh, annual physical yesterday, talked about that a little bit yesterday. But again, as we mentioned yesterday, and now a number of doctors have come out and said, okay, uh, we don't believe that you're telling us the truth about his physical capabilities, but you're not even trying to examine his mental capabilities. I mean, a number of doctors said, okay, what about his emotional health? What about his mental health? Why are you not releasing any information? Have you even done a test on him? Um, the answer is no. Attorney generals in 24 states filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration's Environmental Protection Agency yesterday over a new water rule that would limit farmers and landowners' ability to make use of their land. Now, what's interesting about this is this is the same thing that the Obama administration tried to do, and they got knocked down federal judges said you you don't have that authority i think it was what didn't go to the supreme court the suit accused the epa and the united states army corps of engineers of pushing the states aside and seizing control over the nation's water management the biden administration's waters of the united states rule which was introduced in december is scheduled to be implemented in march and would reinterpret what waterways in the country are federally protected and therefore subject to regulation under the 1972 Clean Water Act. Again, this is the same thing that the Obama administration tried to pull. And basically they're saying, okay, if you've got a, a pond, I mean, here, here in eastern North Carolina, how many farmers have a small pond on their land? And suddenly they're going to call that navigable waterways or for that matter, a ditch that might hold water once in a while, they want to come in and control it, and they're going to tell you what you can and you can't do. The suit explained that the definition of the waters of the United States is used to determine the scope of navigable waters, which the EPA new rule seeks to redefine to include ponds, certain streams, ditches, any body of water, basically. And yeah, like today after the rainfall you look out in your yard and you got a pond out there the federal government might come in and say up oh, <laughs> we're going to control that if waters of the united states is defined more broadly the more waters and land are subject to rigorous federal permitting requirements potential criminal penalties for discharges and much more the lawsuit claims isn't it interesting they're trying to take over this but yet they won't go to east palestine ohio 
and help those poor people up there with what really is a major problem, a major issue. And what are they doing up there? Where's Pete Buttigieg? Where's Uncle Joe? The states accuse the agencies of attempting to redefine waters of the United States in an unlawful, aggressive way that violates constitutional rights for ambiguous environmental benefits. Part of the problem is, is these people are Barney Fife's that want to control every move you make. Senator John Lurch Fetterman, we mentioned yesterday he was admitted to um, the hospital for depression. Now is being said he will be in the hospital for weeks. Fetterman's office revealed Thursday that the freshman senator checked himself into the hospital on Wednesday night for mental health issues. The statement said that the decision to check Fetterman into the hospital came after attending the attending physician of the United States Congress recommended he do so. On Monday, John was evaluated by Dr. Brian Monahan, the attending physician of the United States Congress. Yesterday, Dr. Monahan recommended inpatient care at Walter Reed. John agreed. And so now they, he is going to be in there for weeks. The New York Times reported late last week, Fetterman was struggling with serious mental health issues and often cannot understand the words that others are saying to him following the stroke that nearly killed him last year. Yeah, listen, how was it that all the conservatives knew this would be the outcome last year before the election? And yet the New York Times and all their ilk were doing everything to push this guy over the line. How's that working out for you? We need to go ahead and take a time out and we come back. Uh, new information out. We mentioned earlier this week about the Belgium soccer player that was 25 years old, was in the middle of a soccer game, uh, blocked a kick in the, as, as I guess he was playing as the goalie, blocked a kick and uh, fell over and died, ended up having a heart attack. Uh, another story related to that, we'll get to it as soon as we get back. This is your Drive at 5 and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Town Hall's reporting former MSNBC host who used to spew insanity on how to uh, do everything that uh, conservatives want to do. He would tell you the opposite. Uh, he was also on ESPN. Keith Oberman. Oberman is uh, still alive and active. He's down to his own podcast. Um, nonetheless, uh, on his podcast, he was talking about um, uh, an economic civil war. Um, this is his answer for gun violence. And uh, he basically thinks that the, the best way, ultimately, if he had his way, the best way to reduce gun violence, and see if you can pick up the irony of this, the best way to reduce gun violence, where he would say people die, is to kill off the people that live in the red states. Cut one. We are owned by guns, and therefore there is only one way to stop the mass shootings. It is to suffocate the businesses that make billions of dollars in profits off guns, to destroy the gun lobby, the death lobby, and the Republican Party that defends those lobbies and those businesses. And the only way to do that 
is an economic civil war. The blue states have all the money. They must starve the red states into submission or another 600,000 Americans will be murdered in the next 10 to 12 years. There you go. <laughs> I hate to be the batter, uh, bearer of bad news, Keith, but who says that the blue states have all the money? The blue states are the states that are, are going bankrupt. They're overtaxing their people. The people are getting out of there as quickly as they can. The blue states don't have the money. They have debt, they have crime, they have drugs, they have unrest, they have woke ideology, they have all kinds of restrictions against business. They don't have the money. Uh, this is this is this is woke ideology at its best, which ain't too good. Uh, Dr. Marty McCary of Johns Hopkins. He has uh, come out and is citing a new study from Cedars-Sinai Hospital. It found a disturbing 30% increase in heart attack deaths among adults between the ages of 25 and 44 during the first two years of the COVID pandemic. One theory holds that the uptick could be the result of the COVID itself, while another places blame on the vaccine. McCary said there's evidence for the latter. Quote, we did not see the uptick before the vaccine was rolled out, but young people were primarily affected around the same time that the vaccine was rolled out. The state of Florida did their own study looking at heart attacks after the vaccine in particular and found that there was an 81% increase in sudden death from heart attacks in the months following the vaccine compared to baseline rates. McCary also dispelled what he called a myth pushed by the medical establishment that my, uh, myocarditis, or more commonly uh, inflammation of the heart, uh, it was not because of COVID, but it was because of the vaccine. In fact, figures show that a young male is 28 times more likely to suffer uh, inflammation of the heart after getting the vaccine than after contacting COVID, 28 times. According to McCary, all data suggests that it may be a bad idea for young, health, healthy adults, especially males, to get the vaccine. Young males between 16 and 30 have a higher risk of inflammation of the heart than their female peers by a factor of nine to one. They have the lowest benefit from the vaccine because they're the lowest risk of any COVID complications, McCary said. While we still don't know if any young, healthy person has ever died from COVID in the United States, the CDC won't tell us, and they've never broken down the data by young people who are healthy versus who had a comorbidity like leukemia or some other condition. So you have Marty McCary coming out with that study. At the same time that's going on this week, Rand Paul is going after healthcare institutions for refusing to treat patients who are not vaccinated against COVID-19. Earlier this week, Paul introduced legislation preventing healthcare facilities that denied unvaccinated people treatment, including organ transplants, 
from receiving taxpayer dollars. Under the COVID-19 Vaccination Non-Discrimination Act, patients will also be protected to make decisions about their health without being penalized. No American should be denied access to critical care based on personal medical decisions. Yet tragically, many hospitals and other medical facilities continue to discriminate against those unvaccinated for COVID-19. The COVID-19 Vaccination Non-Discrimination Act will protect the rights of vulnerable patients to make their own health care choices and ensure that federal taxpayer dollars do not support facilities that turn away patients based on their COVID-19 vaccination status. It happened right here in North Carolina. Representative Dan Bishop called the notion of withholding medical care based on their vaccination status an injustice. Quote, there's no reason that medical facilities should deny care to people based on their COVID-19 vaccination status, and there's certainly no reason for institutions that do so receive any federal funding, Bishop said. One case has stood out, a 14-year-old girl in North Carolina who was denied a kidney transplant from Duke University Hospital because she was not vaccinated against COVID. Her mother stated the hospital had told her child would not be had told her that her child would not be getting the transplant because she wasn't vaccinated. I said, so basically you're telling us if she doesn't get the vaccine, then she's not getting the transplant. The hospital said, yep. So while the individuals like this young 14-year-old girl, she didn't need the vaccine. She, I mean, again, the CDC won't even tell us if any young people have died from COVID in the United States. You don't hear many stories about it. And if they have, again, there's a high likelihood that there's a comorbidity. But we do have the idea that young males are 28 times more likely to have heart issues if they've had the vaccine than if they haven't. Huh. Could, could we please have some comments? Thanks, thank goodness for Dan Bishop and uh, Rand Paul introducing this legislation. Let's hope some uh, sensible minds in D.C. would say yes, let's pass it. Unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of trust in the U.S. Senate. We've got to take one more time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. There's another story of hypocrisy for you. The American Friends Service Committee's senior equity, inclusion, and culture leader has been lying about her identity for years. This according to her mother. She told this to The Intercept. Raquel Evita Saraswati, who was born with the name Rachel Elizabeth Seidel, does not have a racially diverse ethnic background, as she has claimed, according to The Intercept. She has German and English ancestry from her mom's side and Italian from her father's, not Arab, Latina, or South Asian, as Soraswati suggested. I'm as white as the driven snow, and so is she, her mother told The Intercept. I call her Rachel. The AF. SC, founded in 1917, is a Quaker group that fights violence, inequality, and oppression through challenging systemic issues and has national and global programs that focus on the economy, immigration, policing, and peace. In her role, Sarah Swati deals with issues relating to equity and inclusion. In high school, Sarah Swati became a faithful Muslim and continued to alter identity to look the part, her mother said. Her mother told The Intercept Sarah Swati 
has been living a lie and making herself and her mom very sad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, once again, who who was the uh, woman that uh, actually, what was her name? She uh, got involved in the NAACP and claimed she was black and she was white as I am. <laughs> What 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 is it with these people? These snowflakes. House and Senate Democrats this week proposed a bill that would instruct the federal government to give anyone born in the United States after 2005 a $1,000 seed savings account and then make contributions to that account until they're 18. That plan was sponsored by Cory Booker and Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, it would give children up to $2,000 a year. Now, the problem with this is they, uh, and by the way, this has been proposed for the last two sessions of Congress and it's gone nowhere. Here's the problem with it though. It's illegal. What they have proposed is, Presley has been very explicit and said the change, this change would help black and brown folks and she wants to make sure that if you're a minority, that uh, anybody could get the initial $1,000. But if you're a minority, then you're going to get an additional $1,000 to $2,000 put in your account every year. And uh, she comes right out and says, this is to help black and brown people. Um, the problem is, this is illegal. Remember in June of 2021, Joe Biden attempted to distribute handouts exclusively to black farmers. Uh, it was immediately deemed unconstitutional by a federal judge. That was taken out. Uh, in May of 2021, a federal appeals court ruled in favor of a conservative legal group that sought to stop Joe Biden's administration from giving priority status for COVID-19 relief to restaurants and bars owned by women and certain minorities. You can't do that. It doesn't stop them. They keep trying. I mean, if they can be called, uh, the, the policies can be called illegal, but uh, that won't stop them. They'll be back and try it again next year. Terrible, frustrating. Hey, have a great weekend. We'll do it again on Monday at five o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right.